message. Does anyone need a handout for the sermon tonight? I think it's a great one for everyone to have and take notes on. How do I control my tongue? I know the first thought, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And yes, in yourself, you cannot control your tongue. But did you know that each of us tonight have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us that are saved, right? So do you know what that means? That means with the Spirit's help, you can control your tongue. And so we're going to talk about this tonight. We've been doing questions and answers to questions. Tonight's question was, what's a message the church needs to hear and learn? You say, who asked that question? I did. You say, you're answering your own question? Yes. Say, can you do that? I'm doing it tonight. So, yes. What's a message that we need that will help us and help each of us in this room with our relationships and things? This message will be a help tonight. You say, well, pastor, are you trying to say that some of us need to work on what we say and on our tongues? Yes. Am I saying I need to? Yes. Every single one of us do. And so we are going to look at several things tonight. You say, Pastor, are you talking to me directly? Sure, if you want to take it that way, I'm talking to you directly. I'm talking to myself directly. There's lots of things that will be a help to us tonight. And I hope you'll pay attention as we dive into the message. You got your Bibles with me? I want you to turn to Proverbs 6. We're going to read a couple verses. Most of the other verses will be on the screen tonight. And we're going to look at several things. And I want you to look at the scriptures with me. See what can be a help to you. And apply it to your life and to your heart. Proverbs 6, verse number 1. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thine hand with a stranger. Look at verse number 2. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. We look at verse number two. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Our words matter. What you say matters. Every relationship you have, words can make them better or words can ruin relationships. How do I control my tongue? Think about what the Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 11 through 13. Come ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? You want to know what we need in life? The verse number 13 there. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. I told you before that the book of Proverbs, I've been studying the book of Proverbs many years. 
Did you know in the book of Proverbs, it references the tongue or the mouth or our lips 150 times in the 31 chapters that are found in Proverbs. Wisdom comes by watching what we say. It's one of the things that we learn in this passage. And we're going to see this tonight. I want you to look tonight, and the verse is going to be up on the screen, Proverbs 18, verse 21, and that's going to be the theme verse for the sermon this evening. Look at what it says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You look tonight, and you look at your tongue. My tongue, it's not a huge thing. Out of our whole body, they're not very big. But do you know that death comes out of this thing? And life comes out of it. That's the power that's in the tongue. And our words are either going to launch life into people and encourage and build them up, or our words are going to breathe death into people and discourage them and tear them down. Everything you said this week either assassinated someone or invigorated those around you. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your words have the power to help someone. Your words have the power to heal someone. But our words also have the power to hinder someone, to hurt someone, and to harm someone. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. I've changed the verse around just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm not taking it out of context. But I just changed it a little bit for us tonight. And in a minute, I'm going to have you say this with me. But this is the truth. Death and life are in the power of my tongue. And I will eat its fruit. That's the truth right there. You wonder why sometimes you have no friends? It might be you're eating the fruit of your words. People don't like to hear that. But that's the truth. You wonder why no one comes to you for encouragement? Might be because you never breathe out encouragement. You, the fruit of your words, it, you reap what you sow. That's scripture too. So I want everyone to practice with me. And I was going to say to grab your tongue, but in this COVID day and age that we live, don't grab your tongue. Point at your tongue, okay? So let's all say it together. Are you ready? Death and life are in the power of my tongue, and I will eat its fruits. Let's do it one more time. Death and life are in the power of my tongue, and I will eat its fruits. As we look tonight at this passage, I want you to look tonight, and as we go through the message, I want you to see, I want for myself, and it should be for each of us in this room, that I will use my tongue to launch life into others instead of delivering death to others. Because with our tongue, death and life 
are available there. The words you speak to your spouse, do they bring life to your relationship or death to your relationship? Do the words you speak about and with your fellow church members speak death to the relationship or life? We should be striving to speak life into one another. And we're going to look at this tonight. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive right into it. Father, we need you. We love you. We thank you for this passage of scripture. Help us apply it to our lives and our hearts and help us to get something tonight in the message in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Number one, our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. The first thing that we see in Proverbs 18, 21, it says the power, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That word power is where we get the word strength from. During World War II, the government printed posters that showed a drowning soldier in the ocean. And with four words at the bottom of the picture, it says, loose lips sink ships. That's what they said. You say, why? Because there were spies around, and sailors had to be very careful what they said. Someone who talked too much literally could lose his life and put thousands in danger. Now, I know today it's a little different. I would probably word it this way. Tweets sink fleets. Isn't that good? I thought that's pretty good. That works for today. Did you say, did you come up with that yourself? No, it's too good for me to come up with myself. I found that online. I thought that was pretty good. Words are very powerful. You say, well, pastor, why are words so powerful? Well, letter A, we see words are everywhere. Words are everywhere. Look in the room. There's words on the wall. There's words on the screen. There's words coming out of my mouth. There's words being said through the speakers right now. There are words everywhere. According to researchers, they say on an average day, we open up our mouths 700 times to speak, at least. And those 700 times we open up our mouths, we use at least 7,000 words with the 700 times we open up our mouth every day. And interesting that the, the same researchers found we only use about 700 words a day that actually have any value to them. Think about that one. Some people just talk for the sake of talking. Some people like to hear their voice. You say, Pastor, do you like to hear your voice? That's why I'm a pastor, right? I can hear my voice right now. But words are everywhere. If we speak this much, if you open your mouth 700 times a day and use at least 7,000 words in that day, some of you in this room, Gene, use 7,000 words before breakfast even begins. I don't even know how, I'm just teasing you, Gene. I had to use someone for that. It was between you and Russ, and Russ is sleeping. Oh, he's taking notes. That's what he's doing. I couldn't quite tell. So I thought you were still awake, Gene. That's why I used you. So... There's Russ's little secret. Pretend like he's sleeping and it makes it all okay. But you think about this. If we open up our mouths 700 times every day and use at least 7,000 words, we are bound to say something bad or wrong. 
or that brings death into a relationship by the words that we say. It's no wonder that Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's what Jesus said. Words are powerful. Why are they powerful? Letter A, because words are everywhere. Letter B, words penetrate within. Words penetrate within. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Our tongues can very easily penetrate in and hurt a relationship or be health to it. Like a sword, our speech can lacerate a life in seconds. The things that we say will either bring life or death to others. Proverbs 12.25 tells us, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Think with me for a minute. How many of you can think of a time, and there's probably, I can think in my life, where I needed some encouragement, or I, and someone gave me the words I needed at the right time. How many of you can think of that? I'm sure you can think tonight, and I don't want you to share it with us, but you can think, man, there was this one time I just needed those words. Now think with me about some of the things that people said that you didn't need those words, and how those words hurt you. You can remember both. And that, as we think about words here, words penetrate within. Some of us remember words that sliced into our souls from decades ago. You can remember things that people said to you when you were a kid, when they made fun of you. Because that's what words penetrate within. Words stick around. And when you say something, you cannot take it back. You said it. So as we talk about words are powerful... We see, why are words powerful? Because words are everywhere. Words penetrate within. And then get this one. Words spread far and wide. We say a lot of words that go down deep. They also spread far and wide. The Bible tells us Proverbs 16, verse 27, An ungodly man diggeth up evil. And in his lips there is a burning fire. Perhaps you've experienced the pain that comes from gossip that spreads. Because when gossip gets going, it's kind of like that brush fire. You look in the hills and you see how dry they are now. You get a flame going and it will spread like crazy. And some of the things, and you got to understand, we talk about how powerful words are. Words are everywhere, but words, they dig in deep. But not only do they penetrate within, they spread far and wide. And words have tremendous power. And as words are powerful, as I mentioned already, that death and life are in the power of our tongues. Now, as we continue on tonight, I want to talk about the areas of death. And life. 
So we see, number one tonight, that our words are powerful. But number two, our words can deliver death. Our words can deliver death. When I was growing up, and I've heard this phrase used, this little catchy saying, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Ever hear that one before? Or you ever hear, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think Carla got that right. That's not true. Broken bones can heal. You can fix a building, right? You can replace a window. But words stick around forever. When we talk about this, and we talk about, you say, well, pastor, how do I know if my words, because words are powerful, right? Words are everywhere. Words dig deep, they penetrate within, and words spread far and wide. So how do I know if the words that I use, if they deliver death or if they deliver life to someone? You say, how am I supposed to know? The book of Proverbs helps us with that. So let me help you tonight with some of the words that bring death to relationships. Some words that, uh, that you might use that make it so people don't want to talk to you. Some words that are used that can deliver death. Are you ready for the list? Number one, or letter A, gossip. Gossip. Death, you want to bring death to a relationship? You want to lose friends quickly? Gossip about someone. That's a great way to do it. Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verse 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Proverbs 18, verse number 8 tells us the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the, inner, in the innermost part of the belly. Do you realize with gossip, gossip a lot of times, it's usually fun. It's usually interesting. But when we feed on gossip, we want more. What else can you tell me about so-and-so? Let me help you out tonight. Say, what is gossip? Gossip is talking about someone else when they're not there to defend themselves. That's when you get alone or you're together and you're like, why? What's wrong with so-and-so? Don't worry about what's wrong with so-and-so. Keep it to yourself. Because this is what brings death to a relationship. This is what brings death to a church. Gossip. Because with gossip, we just want more and more. It reminds me of the person who was gossiping about someone in the church. And when a friend asked the question to get more juicy details, his buddy replied, I've already told you more than I know. That's the problem with gossip right there. You don't know if it's true or not. There have been many times people in church have said, hey, pastor, did you know about this? You know what I go and do? I go ask so-and-so about that. 
I also tell people, I just don't need to know about that. But you're the pastor, and there are things the pastor should know. I get that. But there are a lot of things, hey, hey, pray for brother so-and-so. He needs prayer. Do you know what he's been doing? That's called gossiping. That's called breathing death into a relationship. Are your words bringing life or your words bringing death? Think about this as well. The person who gossips to you will eventually gossip about you. That's where it always goes. Say, ooh, I, I know who I can get the juicy gossip from. If you're known as that person, I would change that. Because you're not helping any relationship in your life by gossiping. We gotta not gossip. You want to help Victory Baptist Church out? Those of you sitting in this room, those of you watching online tonight, let me help you out. Stop gossiping. Too many people get hurt by gossiping. That brings death to relationships, brings death to a church, and gossip should not happen. You say, but I want to know what's going on. Sometimes you don't need to know all the details of what's going on. And there might be times you, don't, you do know the details, but it's not your job to share those details with everybody under the sun. Keep it to yourself. That's a great thing to do. Say, all right, so words that can deliver death. The first type of words would be gossip. Letter B, angry words. Angry words. This would be an area I struggle in. You ever get upset and then you just start spewing out the mouth? That is not a good thing. Because, and you know, I'm Caroline, I'm going to talk about you for a minute. Are you ready? I love you. I love you. I love you. We're so different when it comes to, we don't, we really don't argue a ton. We do at times. But she's the one who wants to, let's just talk later. I'm like, we're going to talk now. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. I can quote scripture to you about that. But she wants to just wait. And you know why she wants to wait? Because she knows me. And if I get upset, I'll say things. And most of the time when you get upset and you say things, you don't even mean half the things you're saying. But you say those words. You want to bring death, breathe death into a relationship? Speak angry words. That will do it. Bible says in Proverbs 29, 22, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. So what are words that deliver death into relationships and into churches and in general? Gossip would be one. Letter B would be angry words. How about letter C? Lying words. Do you know one of the six things the Bible says that God hates and cannot stand? In Proverbs 6, a lying tongue. God despises, it makes him sick. A lying tongue does. You want to bring death to a relationship? Lie. Lie. Proverbs 12, 19 tells us, 
The lips of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. You want to bring death to a relationship? Lie. You say, how does that bring death? You can't be trusted. When you can't be trusted, how can you bring good things into a relationship? You can't. Because my words, death and life, are in the power of my tongue. When I choose to gossip, when I choose to use angry words when I'm angry, when I choose to lie, I'm letting death flow out of my tongue. Letter D. Flattering words or flattery. At the end of the day, a lot of people like flattery, right? But Proverbs warns us to be on the lookout for those that like to sweet talk us. Proverbs 29.5, a man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. The person who flatters you and pats you on the back today is only trying to find that soft spot to put the knife in tomorrow. Flattery. Got to be very careful about it. How about this one? Letter E, impulsive speech. Impulsive speech. I was reading today in Mark chapter number 9, and uh, it's the passage where Peter, James, and John are with Jesus, and they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, you had Jesus, and you had, what was it, Moses and Elijah are there with him. And the Bible says that Peter says, hey, we should build a tabernacle for all three of you. And it says he was fearful and really didn't know what to say. The best thing there was to say nothing at all. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. We've all experienced the horrors of saying something too quickly. Was it open mouth, insert foot? We've all done it. But those are the words that breathe death into relationships. And so we look at this and we say, so let me ask you the question, are you breathing death? Are you speaking death into relationships in your life? Are you gossiping? Are you using angry words? Are you lying? Are you flattering? Are you using impulsive speech? You're hurting your relationships in life. And sometimes, you know, and we talk about this last one, this one about impulsive speech, that it just happens at times. There are times, you know, you say it best when you say nothing at all. Yes, that sometimes is the best thing. There have been times people have been in my office and are like, Pastor, they tell me the situation. What do you think? I've got nothing to say. You're a pastor. You always have something to say. I've got nothing to say right now. I'll call you later on after I have some time to think about it. We hear news of something and immediately shoot things out of our mouth. <gasps> Shut up. Keep it inside. Think on it for a while. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Those are some things that breathe death into relationships. How about some things that breathe life into relationships? And some, Man, some of you are giving me dirty looks tonight. Don't be giving me dirty looks. This is to help all of us tonight. 
And probably the ones giving me dirty looks are the ones who need this more than the others. So I would just uh, take what you can and leave the others. So number three, our words can launch life. They can launch life. Words are powerful because they can inflame a situation or they can encourage. Your words have the power over a fire to add gasoline and make it worse or to be like that stuff that drops out of the planes that helps calm the fire. Because death and life are in the power of our tongue. It's an amazing thing. As we look at this, and how, what, when we think about our, how our words can launch life, the Bible gives a couple of examples of what good words will do. The first thing good words will do is like a refreshing water. Man, have you ever, you, you work out, like this morning I ran five miles this morning. And it wasn't even, it was humid out today. Did anybody notice that today? It was kind of humid out today. And so on the humid, I was sweating. We say, when you got home, what did you do? I didn't grab refreshing water. I should have. I should have. But man, there was a refreshing diet Dr. Pepper cream soda. And oh, it was so good. It just went, it felt so good going down. You say, doesn't water taste? Yeah, no. Water, if you, water, it has its place. And water would have been okay right then. But you know, when you're super thirsty or, you know, you've been working outside and you just get that refreshing water. I th or Dr. Pepper, either one. But look what the Bible says, Proverbs 10, verse number 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Man, it just brings, it's a good thing. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. When we listen to wise words, it's like taking a long drink of fresh spring water on a hot summer day. That's what our words do. Letter B. Do you know what good words are like too? Like tasty food. That's what our words are like. That's what the Bible says. This is the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Good words, pleasant words. Man, when our words breathe life into people around us, Honey in Bible days, it was a luxury and a medicine in ancient Israel. And when we talk tenderly with others, when we use those pleasant words, our words become priceless and they're wonderful. Man, pleasant words, we could use today's vernacular, pleasant words are like ice cream. It's not really healthy to the bones, right? But man, it's ice cream or Joe's chocolate dish back there, you could say, I don't know. But pleasant words, they're like, it's like tasty food. That's what those words will do for us. And let her see. Pleasant words are words that breathe life. They're like expensive, it's like expensive jewelry. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 11, and 12, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold so is a wise reprover unto an obedient ear. Like an expert jeweler, our words should be balanced just right. Beautiful in their appearance. And when we, the words that we use, and valuable like gold and silver. That's how our words should be. 
Unfortunately, let's think about it tonight, or maybe fortunately, the words you use today, were they like a well of fresh water to someone? Were they like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones? Were your words like jewelry? Not fake costume jewelry, the real stuff. Did you breathe life into your relationships today? Did you breathe life into your spouse? Did you breathe life into your friends? Here's a good one. Did you breathe life into your children today? Or did you use the angry words with them? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We look at this and we tie some things together here tonight. We, as we think about this, the Bible says the end of that verse, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Because really at the end of the day, we do eat our words, don't we? One way or the other. If they're good, they can be good things in our life. If they're bad, they can be, they can be taken the wrong way as well. How, I want to give you some help. So we've seen tonight that our words are very powerful. Our words are powerful because words are everywhere. They're everywhere. Not only are they everywhere, but words, they penetrate deep within. They also can spread far and wide. And my words are going to do one of two things. My words are either going to breathe death into my relationships, or my words are going to breathe life into my relationships. When my words bring life to relationships, it's like a cold drink of water on a very hot day. Man, when my words breathe life into a relationship, it's like um, honey, it's sweet, it's a good thing. When my words breathe life into my relationships, it's like a beautiful jewelry that's been set just perfectly. Or am I breathing death by gossiping? By using angry words, by lying, by flattering, by being impulsive and speaking right away. How to avoid slipping with our speech. I want to help you out tonight with this. And I need this. I learned, and I'm going to give you a verse. As a teenager, when my mouth would run too much, this is the verse that my parents had me write. Whoso keepeth his mouth. And his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles and from writing verses. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. How to avoid slipping with your speech. Number one, think more. Most of the mistakes I make with my mouth are made because I simply don't engage my mind first. I say, then I think. No, 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 no. Let me help you out tonight. Think before you speak. Say, but I want to get out what I... No, 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 no. You're going to help yourself out tonight. Think before you speak. Take time to process it. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of the sword. When I say something that's unkind to Caroline, 
It's usually because I haven't taken the time to think it through before I say it. And we've only got a few more minutes. Let's try not to keep going in and out of the service because people need, I'll give you an example. When we hear the preaching of the Word of God, this is how breathing life into you. That's what the Word of God does. We need this. Some of you need this more than you realize you need it tonight. And that could be you watching online or that could be you sitting right here. could be me. We all need it. Think more. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 28, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Do you see how the heart of the righteous studieth to answer? Do you see how the Bible says that right here? We could say it like this. We need to ponder before we pour. We need to think more. When we engage our minds, we'll avoid messing up with our mouths as often as we do. Sometimes it's best not to say anything at all. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's 26.4, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. There are times not to say anything. Think before you speak. Let her be. Talk less. Your chances of blowing it with your words are directly related to the amount of time we spend with our mouths open. Don't, don't talk as much. Sometimes, you know, I, if we could go through the past almost 11 years and go through all the bloopers of things that I've said behind the pulpit that I've said wrong. It's happened a lot. But you know why it happens? I could give you examples. I'm not going to do it tonight, but there are some, so I, pr- I mispronounce some words in the Bible, and it's, I may it sound really bad when that's not what it was meant to be. And there's been other times, and sometimes I'll go back and I'll hear it, and I'm like, did I really just say that? But the more you talk, the more chance you have of saying something wrong, right? So if you talk less, then it won't happen as much. So we got to learn to talk less. Abraham Lincoln said it like this. He said it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. That's pretty good. The Quakers follow this statement. Are you ready for this? Never break the silence unless you can improve upon it. Proverbs 10, 19 tells us, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that reframeth his lips is wise. The more we talk, the more we trespass. The less we talk, the wiser we are. One of my favorite Proverbs, 1728. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You want to look smart sometimes? Just don't talk. You can look real smart sometimes doing that. And the other thing, I'm just going to add this in. You don't have to talk just for the sake of talking. You know, there are times people come to me and, Pastor, I need help with this or I need an answer on this. And I could give an answer. Do you ever give an answer and then it's wrong? And you feel kind of dumb about it afterwards? 
you know what I've learned? It's it, it looks a lot better and it's wiser to say, you know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I'll get back to you when I know the answer to that. That's much better than saying, well, this is probably it. And then you're wrong. That makes you look even more foolish. And even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. That's what the Bible says. Book of Ecclesiastes talk about there's time for everything, right? There's a time to talk and there's a time to be quiet. Proverbs 13, verse number 3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, and he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. That's what the Bible says, right? Now, you say, well, when you talk about this thought here, talk less, I have a few examples for you that I wrote down. Now, here are some situations where it's probably best to hold your tongue. Are you ready? When you're tempted to say, I told you so, it's a good time to hold your tongue. When you have information that makes someone look bad, it's a great time to hold your tongue. When someone is upset about a problem and you've had a similar experience with somebody, that's a good time to hold your tongue. When you're tempted to judge or criticize someone, great time to hold your tongue. When you want to correct someone on a minor point as they tell a story, great time to hold your tongue. When someone hasn't asked for your opinion, don't give it. When you want to tell something about yourself in order to impress someone, don't do it. Hold your tongue. If you struggle with talking too much, then don't talk so much. I encourage you to build some wordless moments into your day. Times where you just don't say anything. And if that's too hard for you, pull out your phone. Don't put someone's name in there. Write yourself a text message, and you can use your words right there, and then delete them, and then it's done. Think more, talk less. Isn't that profound? Wow. Number three, or letter C, listen better. You ever heard the saying where you were given two ears and one mouth so you could listen twice as much as we talk? I think there's some truth behind that. Proverbs 15, 31, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Proverbs 19.20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Learn to listen. Now sometimes, I'm going to give you one of my sins. I listen, but I'm not really completely listening because I'm trying to formulate how I'm going to help that situation when I'm listening. Anyone else ever struggle with that one just a little bit? That's one of those that I struggle with right there. And if you're a guy and you do that, let me just help you out. You cannot do two things at once. I know, ladies in the room, you can do two things at once. Guys cannot. And I know some like to say they can, but they can't. I know you think you're the exception. You cannot be into your baseball game or your football game and hear everything your wife says at the same time. It is impossible. I've tried and tried and failed every time. I've even tried to pick up the last few words, but I missed the beginning of it. It just doesn't work. Thank God for the pause button now. Too bad it doesn't work on people, but it works on the television. Listen. Just listen. 
And then this is the other problem. We want to speak on something when we haven't heard all the details behind it. And that's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it is a folly and shame unto him. Let me help you out a little bit deeper here. Let's say you've got a gossip in your life, a chismosa or a chismoso. Either way, let's say you got either one in your life, and they're talking about someone. It is a shame and a folly for you to judge someone based off of one side of a story. Let's say there are two people having an argument, and the one side tells you all about their side. Do you realize there's a whole other side to the story you don't know nothing about? And sometimes that happens. A while back, we had a situation in church where someone decided to air all their laundry on their side of something. And I have people calling me, how dare that happen? And it's like, I should have just said, turn to Proverbs 18, 13 and read it. Don't judge a situation or answer a matter before you hear both sides. Because you look like a fool. Because you don't know the whole truth. Some of you can't handle the truth. I'll leave that there. And so be careful with those things. What's that old poem that I heard? A wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like the wise old bird? So think more, talk less, listen better. Number four, encourage others. Well, what time is it? Whoa, 7.30. We got to finish up. We'll be all right. Talk less, talk less. Number four, or letter D, encourage others. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. How many words did you use today to encourage somebody? Use your words to encourage people. I've heard someone say it takes no size to criticize, right? I'd like to add it takes a big person to encourage. Encourage. Hey, if you were paid 10 cents for every kind word you said today and had to give back 5 cents for every critical word you used today, would you be rich or would you be poor? Encourage others. Number next, speak gently. One of the best ways to evaporate anger from a conversation in a relationship is to speak gently. But this is what happens. And I'm learning. I'm getting there. I remember it was a few years ago. Someone came to me. They were so upset. And it was over something that didn't even matter. And they, I, they got up in my face. Pastor! And do you know what Brian did? Let me tell you something. That's what I did. You want to snap at me? I'll snap right back. And we went back and forth a little bit, and then we calmed down. It was better. That same person, not, that, not too long ago. Pastor, you know what? I said, what? I spoke just like this. I didn't raise my voice. And they're going on. I'm like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. 
a grievous word, stir up anger. Speak gently. You don't have to yell back. You don't have to be angry back. Speak gently. The next time you're talking to someone who's really upset, instead of responding, give them a gentle answer. When someone cuts you off on the road, instead of telling them they're number one or whatever you do, I don't know what you do, why don't you be gentle with them? Next, cut other slack. Most of us are way too tough on other people and not hard enough on ourselves. We expect perfection from people while minimizing our own mistakes. We grow our grudges instead of giving grace. If you want to tame your tongue and give life to others, Practice the principle found in Proverbs 12, verse number 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Bible tells us in Proverbs 17, 9, the discretion, wait, Proverbs 17, 9? Go to Proverbs 19, 11 first, sorry, that one's good too. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. It is his glory to pass over a transgression. Cut people some slack. Proverbs 17.9, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Some of us get bent out of shape with people, and they just sin in a different way than we do, but at the end of the day, it's still the same thing. Cut people some slack. Can you handle a couple more? We're almost there. Next, avoid gossip. Someone said it like this, a gossip is just a fool who has a keen sense of rumor. Get it? Yeah, rumor, yeah. Proverbs eleven thirteen: a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. That's powerful right there. I need to know that my name is safe when I'm out of the room. And if you're in the room... Or if you're not in the room, you need to know that you're safe with me. Let me, give, let me just give you a little thought right here. Let me just look around the room real quick. I know dirt about everyone in this room right now. If I went around and shared all your dirt with people, would you trust me? Would you come to me for advice or help? You would not. So if a pastor is a gossip, that's really not a good thing. You want, when you come to me with something, you want me to keep it. There are things, a lot of you in this room, there are a lot of things that I know about you that my wife doesn't know. I want her to still like you. So, no, I'm just kidding. But there are things, I don't tell her everything. There are a lot of things that get said in that office. A lot of words have been used in that office that I can't repeat other places. But if I gossiped, how would that be? That would not be a good thing. When someone is sharing something juicy with you, tell them you don't want to hear it. Oh, but I do want to hear it. Our flesh wants to. We should not want to hear it. And if someone has an issue with someone, let me, let me help you out. 
So Isaiah has a problem with Mark. He's a terrible choir director, and he called me out in choir. Instead of listening to Isaiah's complaint, and this is fake, this is fake, this is fake stuff. So let's just say, so Isaiah's starting to talk to me. You're like, you know what, Isaiah? Let's go talk to Mark. I don't need to hear it. What am I going to do about it? The pastor I get, I could help more with that situation. I get that. But the average church, what are you going to do to help Mark and Isaiah's relationship? No, Isaiah just wants to talk bad about someone. It should never be that way. Take Isaiah, take the person to the person who they're having the problem with. Let them talk together. That's how you, that's how you fix the problem. When you go, when Isaiah goes to Justin or he goes to Carla or he goes to Peter, how's that helping a situation with Mark? And what you're doing is at the end of the day, that person's just giving a bad taste in Justin's mouth and Carla's mouth and Peter's mouth about Mark. And you don't even know if what this kid's saying about Mark is true. So the best thing to do is take that person to Mark and then we can figure it out from there. Pretty good right there. That's good stuff. All right, we got to, man, we, this pastor's got to shut his mouth. I'm talking about not talking so much. Here we go, next one. Got to get through, though. We can't, this is not a two-week message. Next. Hey, Ray, how can I, just tell the truth. Tell the truth. How to avoid slipping in your speech. Tell the truth. It's important to tell the truth. I try and teach our young people in the Christian school. Things happen at breaks. And the kids fight, arguments happen, things happen. And I always use the verse, the truth shall set you free. And if I ask you what happened, and, and, this, and I always try, I've been in this Christian school thing for a while now, and I, at the beginning of it, I didn't used to do this. I would just say, so what happened? And then they would, one kid would say this and say the other kid was so bad. And then I would talk to the other kid, and that other kid would be like, that other kid was so bad, and I didn't do anything wrong. I don't, I, when I started a conversation with our kids at school or whatever the case may be, the truth sets us free. And if I can't trust you and what you say, how am I going to know that you're doing your homework like you're supposed to? How am I going to know you're not cheating on a test? The truth is always the best thing. So tell me the truth. And sometimes their stories don't match up at all. What do I do? I bring both kids in the room together. And I hear the story. Tell the truth. You want to avoid slipping with your words? Speak the truth. The Bible talks about righteous lips. Proverbs 16, 13 are the delight of kings. And they that love him that speaketh right. The truth matters. The truth is so important. The Bible talks about buy the truth, sell it not. Tell the truth. The truth is so important. Next, we're almost here. Stop boasting. It's not attractive to hear someone boast and brag about themselves. And sometimes you see people do it online with their selfies and things. And, you know, if people want to talk about how, how nice your hair looks or something, that's great. But my hair looks great. You know, now I'm not talking, you know, you, what was it? Nah, someone's going to think I'm talking about them. I saw someone today, they went to their hairstylist and, they did a great job on my hair. I, that's okay. They, yeah, that's good that you're talking about, you're bragging on the person who did your hair. Not, you know, but don't, you don't have to be boasting about yourself. Don't I look good? But I do, Pastor. That's good. That's good. You don't have to boast about it. Bible talks about in Proverbs 25, 27. It's not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory, it's not glory. So think about this way. There comes a point where you eat, you know, 
you have too much sweet, you know, let's say, you know, could you eat too much ice cream? I guess you could, right? Or too much chocolate. You know, your Joe, I don't know, after the service, if you keep eating all that candy back there, do you ever just feel, oh, I've had too much? And the bi- her, you know, but you, you have something too much sweet of some sort. There's got to be something. You know, like, oh, and you're like, I ate too much. That's what it's like when you're searching for your own glory. So, stop boasting. Next, don't quarrel. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. <laughs> Therefore, leave off contention before it meddle with. Before it be meddled with. Sometimes you could just help strife and quarrels by just not saying anything. But they're wrong. Give them a little grace. It's okay. So, Pastor, what am I supposed to do with all this application? Three things, and we're out of here. Four things, sorry. Number one, make make things right with others. If you've used your tongue to breathe death into a relationship, make it right with that person. Say, I'm sorry, and mean it when you say it. Make things right with others. You've gossiped about someone? You know, you want to talk about a big Christian? You go up to someone, hey, I just want you to know, I said these things about you to other people, and I'm sorry. That's a big Christian right there. Because a lot of times the person already knows you said things about them. So what if they don't know? Well, you just do what's right and make it right with others. So I think that's a great thing to do. Make things right. How about, here's another one. Yield your tongue to God. So we talk about death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? So wouldn't you say that a tongue that speaks life is going to be probably more spirit-filled? That would be a spirit-filled tongue, right? And then that tongue that breathes, breathes death into relationships is more fleshly. So on Sunday nights, we talk about the spirit life and the flesh life. So yield your tongue to God. Say, God, this tongue belongs to you. Help my words be words that please you. Romans 6, 13, neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness and sin. That you, you want to talk about a member of your body? This tongue is a member of your body. Don't yield it as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Psalm 141, 3 is a great verse to memorize. Set a watch, O Lord, before my lips, keep the, or before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. When's the last time you prayed that? Or set a watch before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Letter C, this is all application, be part of the solution. If your words breathe life into people, you are part of the solution. You're what we need. When your words breathe death into situations, you are part of the problem. We need Christians to be less of the problem and more of the solution. And lastly here, feast on the word of God. Feast on the word of God. When God's word is in our heart, we are less likely to say things we shouldn't say. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Feast on God's word. So church tonight, death and life are in the power of your tongue.
the words you choose to use tomorrow, tonight, are one of two things. They're either going to bring life to those around you or death. Choose your words wisely.